This episode is brought to you by the Ghoulish Gallery, Movies for Days, Dewey Pod Monster, The Aardvark and Magic Moshi Do Red Dwarf, Video Tasties, Voices from the Mausoleum, You Gonna Eat That Crust, and Pop Culture Reflections, all members of the You Run Podcast Network, all available at yourunpodcast.com. Mark, what do you call a drunk cowboy? I feel like I should know this one. This seems like a really easy dad joke to get. But I'm a yarlkaholic? <laughs> no, that that was bad. I'm gonna I'm gonna do another one. The bad ones are the best ones. Stick with it. Uh, I've got I've got another one teed up. Uh, what's the difference between a tampon and a cowboy hat? Oh my god, I don't know. Cowboy hats only go on assholes. Oh. <laughs> hey everyone, the You Run podcast. The You Run podcast. You want to die tonight? Scott, I think you know who the fuck this is that's talking. Cancel Mark, I was terribly offended. Because after all, this is not our show, this is your show. Well howdy and welcome round to these year old parts of the You Run podcast horror movie review. My name is Scott. And my name is Mark. I can't do it dude, I can't. And, and this episode may land us in trouble with some of our listeners from the southern states of the U, good old US of A. We are horror movie <laughs> review show run by you. No, I can't. I'm done. I'm sorry. I'll stop. <laughs> oh, that was but, painful, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Cool coming in a couple of weeks from Heather, I'm sure. Uh, um, we are at the You Run podcast horror movie review. You pick the movies, you run the show, you score them all that good stuff. Um, to find out how to get involved, all you need to do is go to yourunpodcast.com. All the links to our social medias are there. If you want to give Mark a follow for some great reviews or some really envious staring at a VHS collection that is honestly mind-boggling now, um, he's on Instagram. He's reviews from the crypt or VHS from the crypt. Um, are you still buying more? Uh, I am and I aren't really. The thing is... I. I when I first set out, I was buying quite a lot, but not like spending lots, just buying lots of crap um, just to beef out the collection. Do you know stuff that would go for like 50p and things like that? Yeah. But now it's got to the point where I've got so much that I'm just like concentrating on some of the bigger titles, like like the Alien movie, the first Alien movie. That was, that was an expensive tape to buy because it's such a hard one to come by. Um, so the ones that I'm like sort of got now on my checklist – are quite valuable and expensive to get hold of so i'm having to limit how often and how frequently i can buy them to justify having them i can't just go right. out and buy like 400 quid's worth of tapes in a week you know because that's just madness so i'll maybe like treat myself once every couple of months but quite a lot of people reach out and be like hey man i've just been rooting through the loft i found all these tapes you interested i borrowed from both okay. Scott Nard, who we had on last week he just sent me a lot of tapes through which was amazing Oh, that's cool. really cool titles as well so so yeah so people keep reaching out and being like look man these are just sat in my loft your collection's amazing and i know they're going to go to a good home are you interested so, oh, so yeah awesome. so which is cool so it's getting to that point now where i've reached enough people on instagram that people are now reaching out to me and being like yeah man here's these i hope you look after that's them. awesome oh yeah, that's that's really cool. really cool um you can send us an email you run podcast at gmail.com um through one of them magic letters things on the screen typewriter <laughs> <laughs> or, or you can leave us a voicemail uh, anywhere on social media that allows you to send an audio dm 
this is a listener request episode of this coming from Wolf Dad on Instagram, who's Ashley. Uh, they're a super cool account, so go and drop him a follow. This, despite what I'd previously thought, I had not seen. I have no fucking clue what movie I confused this with. But when I watched this, this was a first watch for me. That's insane, because we spoke about this on the build-up to the show. He's like, oh, yeah, it's really, really cool. It's a really good film. I, I can't remember much, but I remember it being really, really cool. So it yeah. turns out you haven't seen this at all. <laughs> now no, I, now I, I want to know what film you was on about. <laughs> if anyone could think of a cowboy movie that has a very slow build, and then at the end, like, loads of zombies, let me know, because that is what I saw, and it is not this. That's what I mean. When we had the conversation, I was like, yeah, yeah, they're like zombies at the end and stuff. And I was like... These are not zombies in this film, Scott. And no. I was going to bring it up on the episode, but I'm glad you've addressed it early on. Yeah, I, I've definitely addressed it. Yeah, I sat down. I was like, I've not seen this. Have I seen this? And then it got like through sort of two thirds of the movie. I was like, I have not seen this. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> so, yeah, this was a first watch for me. Um, what is better than watching two grumpy old men, a wannabe Billy the Kid and a cripple walk through a desert for an hour and 40 minutes? Well, watching them knowing there's going to be an eventual horror payoff. Their goal to save a girl and a deputy from some brutal native inhabitants and survive the encounter. It sounds simple enough, but when you throw into the mix that this is a horror movie, not a Western, we're going to discuss that at length later. Um, it, it adds a twist to it. So get your chaps on, pull up your boots, add some spurs. It's time for Bone Tomahawk. Lean back. Right there. Brace him. He's gonna penetrate. Good evening. Civilized towns. You look a man direct in the face when you talk to him. This isn't comfortable. Oh, it's not supposed to be. <laughs> Here's a uh, situation. Serious. Mrs. O'Dwyer was abducted. She is my everything, and those savages have got her. God knows what they're doing to her in every second that we delay. You know who did this? I don't have a name. How many of them do you think there are? It won't matter. You have no chance against any number of them. I'm, I'm coming with you. No, no, I need you here. And this is what a backup's for, to help an emergency, not stay back. I'm coming. We're making a five-day journey in three days, riding along and sleeping the bare minimum. I don't know what's west of here. No cattle trail or anything else goes in that direction. If our horses die before we get there, when we go into hostile territory, weak and foggy with exhaustion, we won't rescue anybody. Don't be scared. I am a friend. You aren't. You had no cause. If you want to question my morals, do it later. Bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts, which we are about to receive.
that's arguably one of the best trailers out there. Usually I criticise trailers quite a lot for giving away major plot points in a film. That trailer does it to the next level, but at the same time, I can't imagine what else they would have taken from this movie to be able to provide themselves with a two to three minute trailer. Yeah, but what they give... What they give in that, even though it gives lots of the major plot points, you'd never take what they've shown you there and end up in your head with the finished product. No, and I suppose it's difficult because we always do this, but we have context because we've just watched the film in order to review it. And then we watch the trailer afterwards. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and I'm going to apologise quick to anyone watching on YouTube and on Spotify. Our background is of Sharknado 4, our last episode. I've been lazy. Bear with me. There we go. It's now Bone Tomahawk. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> there we are. We are, we are very professional. Um, Listen to score the movies. They scored this a 3.5 out of 5. Uh, Letterbox coming in at 3.7 out of 5. And Google coming in at 3.8 out of 5. We are a spoiler-heavy show. If you've not seen this movie we are going to give lots of it away and here is your spoiler warning okay i'm gonna explain this shit to you like you're five get your eyes checked read the damn episode title i don't want to hear any bitching any complaining about how oh there's spoilers no read it if you've not seen it do not listen thanks heather very appropriate this week yeah i think i need to get you to do a warning for true crime because we give a disclaimer on true crime that this will contain graphic depictions of violence and murder and things like that. I might get you to do the warning and use you over there. Oh, that'd be cool. I'd be honoured. But you know yeah. how badly I perform under a script. I, I, I do, which is, again, why that will work. <laughs> um, this movie, for about 75% of its runtime, nothing happens. And I literally mean nothing happens beyond character development and because of that there's so much that we're gonna have to kind of discuss but kind of skim over because you'll have a a 15 minute conversation that the only way for us to talk about that on the show is to redo that conversation and that's kind of not what we're here for but there's also some scenes in this that are going to be discussed at length I imagine. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, Wishbone is all I'm saying. (laughs) Terrifier. (laughs) Uh, We start off in the 1890s and there's two drifters who make a living from killing people and robbing travellers. The opening scene sets the tone perfectly. So one's David Arquette and the other one is Sid Haig, who for a second, (laughs) R.I.P., but for a second I went, did Rob Zombie have a hand in this movie? Why Sid Haig here? <laughs> I immediately thought the same thing. I've ne- I don't think I've ever seen another movie outside of a Rob Zombie movie that he's been in. No, and he's great in this, and so is David. In fact, we'll save a lot of time and we'll say it now. The casting in this is outstanding. Yeah, if we're going to jump straight into it right now, I'm going to say that these actors in this movie give some of the best performances of their entire career in this film, I thought. Kat Russell, yeah. outstanding. Patrick Wilson, Best I've ever seen him in any movie, and he's done quite a lot of work recently. Matthew Fox blew me away in this film. Matthew Fox, I was so surprised. When I saw him early on, I was like, oh, that's a dude from Lost. I'm not expecting much from him. But what he delivered in this film was fucking outstanding. 
really really good david arquette he was great he was kind of a little bit like his character from buffy but just with a southern accent and dated with a cowboy hat i found but he was yeah. still great for what he did yeah really really good but this opening scene is really brutal so it starts off with david arquette's characters pinned down one of these people they're robbing and he slits their throat and then said hey like no you've done it fucking wrong and he comes over like, if you're going to do it you need to cut all the way through it and it's like Oh man, and they show it all on screen, and straight away I was like, "Wow, this is yeah." He not... gets his big speech about there's like eleven main arteries in the neck, and you have to cut every single one of them. The only reason yeah. he realizes that he'd missed out and did a shit job of cutting his throat is because the guy goes to pull his gun while he's passed out. Luckily enough, Sid, Sid Haig's quick enough to step on his hand and then shoot him in the face for it, which yeah. is brutal. <laughs> Uh, like this opening scene is really brutal and they show it all like terrifier levels of we're going to show you and we're going to focus on what we're doing to show you, which works for this type yeah. of movie. Like for a Western, Westerns need to have this level of brutality and violence. And they always yeah. have had to have this. Yeah, I'm not um, a big Western fan, particularly. There isn't a great deal of Westerns that I have in my back catalogue. If I was to compare it to anything like that, I would say last of the mohicans is a similar sort of thing last yeah. of the mohicans has some extremely extremely fucking violent scenes in it what yeah, was that the, recent one as well with leonardo dicaprio which was like a period piece where he gets attacked uh, by the bear uh, you got django unchanged you got the reverend there's, there's the reverend, quite a few the reverend with tom hardy the one with the scalpins and the bear attacking yeah. things that again that you wouldn't class that as a horror film but there's some extremely violent scenes within that and that's just more because of the time period that these films are usually chose to shoot in yeah, you'd pick violent quite heavily because it was very prevalent in those time periods. Yeah, it, it was a violent time to be alive. I wouldn't have lasted five minutes in the Wild West. Not not five. No, no. I know for a fact I certainly wouldn't because I'm too much of a nosy bastard. <laughs> yeah, you, I, I'd last longer than you because you'd be like, oh, I had a gunshot. What was that? Bang, dead. <laughs> Arrow here, here lies marky the kid <laughs> yeah yeah i'd be looking to make it past my teens i think um they hear horses coming and they decide that they're gonna go up into the hills to hide because they don't want to get caught because they're they're bandits and they come across what is clearly a native burial ground and they even explain that oh this is a native burial ground and sid haig's like ah fuck it <laughs> and just yeah. trap straight through it the brutality and the speed at where at how they are attacked here caught me so off guard yeah so i'm really confused with the opening of this movie purely because i know i'm just getting a little bit ahead of myself but we get this scene here don't we and then we come yeah. to black but it says 11 days earlier does it not or does it say 11 days later 11 days I'm sure later. I said 11 days earlier. No, it says later. Oh, uh, does it? Yeah. That squashes all my confusion immediately. Okay. <laughs> I, I swear, when I was watching this, I was like, 11 days earlier? And then I thought it was flashing back to him being in the pub and all the rest of it, which we'll get no. to. No. Oh, that, so that gives days. you a, a completely different perspective of this movie if you're watching it like that. Well, yeah, because I was like, by the time we got to the end, I was expecting some sort of character reappearance, not to name any names. I was like, but yeah, it just made zero sense to me. And then someone died and I was like, how can you die? Because it's the flashback for later on. And yeah, yeah, that's cleared up a lot. Thank you. <laughs> okay, good. Um, but yeah, they get attacked by Native Americans and it is 
like so fast. Like it, a lot of the attacks in this movie are if you blink or you look away from the screen, it's over and you've yeah. seen nothing. You just see the aftermath. And I really like that. I like the idea of having hidden villains, but they also show one of the Native Americans just stood out in the open. So you yeah. get a deep look and you go, oh, fuck. Okay, but it wasn't him because there's no way he'd done that based on where he stood. So there's more of them. It, it really builds yeah. that tension brilliantly. It does a great job of setting up the threat, basically, because these, yeah. these guys are rapid and strategic and they're hunters. That is what they are. Yeah. They are hunters. And you see that clearly just from this opening. I mean, these kill sequences at the beginning where they attack both Sid Haig and David Arquette, this is over within 20 seconds max. Yeah. It is rapid speed, like you said. And it just showcases how how fast and how skilled and tactical these pe people are. Yeah. Um, we now get it fades to black and it says 11 days later. Right, it was 11 days later, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. Um, and the, the surviving bandit, which is David Arquette, um, is now in a local town and he's in a local bar and it's uh, called Bright Hope. He's in the saloon. Um, the sheriff knows he's in the saloon because the assist, though the backup deputy, who honestly is about 8 million years old, comes to he's tell him that he, he's so good. He's like he's a bumbling fool. Yeah, he's he's my favourite character in the movie, and he just references him as an old man throughout the entire thing. I don't think we ever hear his name. Oh, no, we do hear his name once when he introduces himself to Patrick Wilson later on. But yeah. the whole time he's just referred to as an old man. And he's such a sweetheart. He's like a really stupid character. He doesn't know a lot. He's not a very intelligent person, but he's a very loyal person throughout. Yeah, and he's like... Ah, oh, Sheriff, I, I, you know, I take my nightly walks. Well, I took a nightly walk and I saw a man. And he was burying stuff, and now he's in, he's in the saloon. And the sheriff's like, right? How do you know he's a bad man? Well, because I saw him burying stuff, and then he looked shifty. And the sheriff's <laughs> kind of like, ah, oh, fine. Oh, it is a very much a, you bring me shit like this every week, but I'll go and take a look. Yeah. Um, yeah. When he gets to the bar. The scene with him and the bandit, who's David Arquette, is so tense. Like, really, it, it, really tense. Yeah, and really uncomfortable. So the sheriff introduces himself, and David Arquette's just trying to keep his head down. He's drinking his drink. And he's like, you need to tell me your name. And he says, oh, I'm Buddy. And that was actually the name of Sid Haig's character. So he used the name of his friend. Oh, right. Okay. I didn't pick up on that. That's cool. And he's really like, doesn't want to get involved because he's a bandit on the run. And the sheriff's like, oh, well, in our town, you look at us. And it's it's just this horrible vibe. And there's a bit where the bandit turns and the sheriff's like, well, no, I'm not taking a risk. It just shoots him in the leg. Yeah, I mean, there's a really cool interaction between before the shooting takes place where Kurt Russell's character is interrogating David Arquette and he sets him up basically like you would on a police interrogation. He asks him questions, expecting him to give him a certain answer before he sort of fumbles and drops himself in the shit. To which yeah. he finally the sheriff's had enough and he's like, so what's with the bag you were burying out in the, in the, in the desert? And with that, David Arquette tries to make a run for it and gets kneecapped. Brutal. Yeah, I, like... <laughs> Like the, there are zero fucks given by the sheriff, who's Kurt Russell, like zero all the way through the movie. At no point does he show any real compassion for anybody. No. He's like, this is he is the stereotypical. I'm the lawman. This is my town. 
this is how it yes. works. If you don't like it, there's the door or there's my gun. Pick one. Yeah, but I feel like this is a very true depiction of how things were back then. At least that's the way it's translated in Hollywood anyway. <laughs> yeah, and I think it probably is. Uh, now, the sheriff sends another resident to go and fetch the doctor. And this is Jack from Lost. What, what's his real name? Matthew Fox. Matthew Fox. His name in this is Bruder. Um, I'm probably going to call him Jack throughout this review, so I apologise. I know Jack him as Jack. Lost. Yeah, he's Jack in Lost. I never watched Lost. I heard it was all right up until the end. The, the problem with Lost is they painted, they wrote themselves into a corner and had nowhere to go. Right. Like there was no, where they wrote themselves, they had no scope to do anything. But overall, is it satisfying enough to spend the nine seasons on it? Yeah, I, I think so. Like seasons five and six where they go back in time are awesome. Right. Okay, uh, it's it's out it's out there, like really out there. Yeah, yeah. I never, I never, I remember it all being the rage when I was younger and like friends and stuff like that. I was like, oh, did you watch Lost? And I just never did. I don't think I had Sky at the time. It was always on Sky One, and I was like, no, yeah. I ain't seen it. Any good? No, and then by the time uh, I finally got round to it, it was like three or four seasons in. I was like, oh, do you know what? It's too far now. It's too far gone. Yeah, I really liked it. Like, if if you watch season one and you find yourself hooked, it's one of those shows that you'll have to see through to the end. It's one right. of those. Like, they have a couple. Yeah, they have a couple of duff seasons, but you're like, I'm going to push through because I know how good it can be. It's one yeah. of them. Uh, now, the best way to describe Bruder, he is like your stereotypical like Billy the Kid, but on the side of good. He's very cocksure, very arrogant. He's like yeah, he's like the aristocrat of the of the the town, isn't he? He's yeah. He even says he at some point in the movie he's the most intelligent person out of everybody, and he's a law unto himself basically because he knows what's right and what's wrong. Yeah, um, and he, basically the sheriff says, "Look, you need to go and get the doctor." Now the doctor, who's Arthur, is played by Patrick Wilson, and it was refreshing not to see him playing a Christian Avenger. Which is all he seems to play in every movie. So was him and his wife both doctors? Because I thought no, she was so, a doctor. No, she's the doctor's assistant. But the reason... So I'll get to it in a second. So right, okay. he's the doctor. He's sent to go and get him. He's got a broken leg and he's being tended to... And I'm going to have to say it now so I don't have to keep coming back to it. He's being tended to by his incredibly hot wife. <laughs> Like blew me away, wife, but we'll get that well. Yeah, but like I look at him and I look at her and go, "How?" Patrick Wilson's a hunky, hunky man. He's not hunky, hunky enough to get that that fine young lady. I don't know. I think if you put a poll out to the female listeners on this show, even the male listeners as well, I think it would be high in Patrick Wilson's favor. He's a very good-looking man. He's very well facially structured and built as well. I, okay, I think cause... he would win that poll. Well, there's a poll out on release day. Whether yeah, Patrick I think Wilson you have to do that. Or not. I don't um, have an obsession with Patrick Wilson, just to be clear, but I can appreciate a good-looking man. Fucking liar. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, not only is she treating his leg, but she also treats his manhood with some unsolicited cowgirl action, which went on for a lot longer than I was expecting in this movie. That seems like three minutes long. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> it was really good. Um, 
Bruder arrives and the doctor's, doctor's wife goes in the doctor's place. Now, this is because of his injury, but they also have a throwaway line. It's because of he's been drinking. And oh, I right, really okay. like I really liked this because it was they didn't say he's not going because he can't walk. It's he's not going because he's had a drink. And I thought that was a really nice touch to take away from like the focus on the fact that he can't walk. Yeah. Oh, were they trying to keep that hush hush between them then or uh, no, no, they weren't trying to keep it hush hush, but it was more sort of a respect thing of like, oh, he can't come because he's had a drink. Right. As opposed to <clears> he <throat> can't come. Strong enough. Yeah. Yeah. It was a right. <clears throat> a protecting her husband's manhood thing. And I thought it was a really cool little little quirk that at that time in the world would have been a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I also like when they have their interaction, she immediately knows that the sheriff shot someone in the leg again. Yeah, it's like, like a daily bullet, occurrence. Bullet to the leg, is it again? <laughs> <laughs> Who pissed the sheriff off this time? I also <laughs> like the dialogue between Bruder and Arthur as they're shouting through the house. Yeah, Arthur's don't flirt with his like, wife. Yeah, don't you flirt with my wife or they'll be held to pay. He's like, no, no, don't worry. I'll go take her straight there and I'll make sure she gets escorted back. So I'd never do oh, that no, to he, you. Yeah, he says, oh, no, no, he doesn't say they'll be held to pay. He says there'll be a reckoning. I mm. love that. There'll be a reckoning. That's the coolest threat I've ever heard in my life. I'm going to use that from now on. If my wife ever pisses me off in future, I'm going to be like, my, my words, woman, there will be a reckoning. <laughs> Maybe I should use that when I call people out on TikTok in future. Oh, you should. You should. It's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> um, the doctor's wife, who is Samantha, uh, goes to the jail and she tends to the bullet in his leg. Again, really brutal. We see her pick the bullet out and it sounds awful, like makes you cringe. Yeah. Noises. Um, they have some discussion. And she says she needs to stay to treat his fever. And he, she's got yeah, to stay I was there. Yeah, the... a bit confused why she would care so much. She's clearly made it. I mean, they've clearly made it obvious to her that he's a bandit and a bad man and he's got people because she was like concerned for him and they were saying yeah. no 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 we've undug what he's buried in the woods and it's got other people's belongings in it and they're all bloodstained this man's a murderer and she's like oh i better stay the night and make sure he's okay i'm like fuck this dude go home to your husband yeah see that's yours of my thought which is why we don't work in any sort of medical care <laughs> 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 We're bringing in a gunshot victim. <laughs> he fired on a, on a crowd of civilians. Oh, fuck him. He can wait. That's why we're not allowed to be doctors. Yeah, put him in the bin. Took him out back. <laughs> I agree. Um, the sheriff says that basically they're all going to go home. So he's going home. Bruder's going home. And the assistant to the assistant deputy old man are going home. And they're going to leave her with the other deputy, Nick. Nick. Yeah. And... I kind of like that they do this because if they hadn't done this, everything else wouldn't have worked. Like this whole, look, we're going to leave you with Nick. He's capable. We're all going home. Had any of those other three been there, what comes next would never have happened. No. Uh, Not as easily. No, I think you could have replaced Nick with the old man and still. Uh, yeah, but I didn't care about Nick. I cared about the old man. Don't. Don't throw the old man under the bus yet. He doesn't deserve Oh, no, no, that. I don't want to throw him under the bus. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying the events maybe would have worked still the same if it had been replaced uh, with the old man. That night, all hell breaks loose. That poor stable boy. Yeah, that was 
again, rapid execution out of nowhere. He didn't see it coming. We didn't see it coming. It was so quick. Yeah, like these attacks border on jump scares that they're so quick. So there's this young stable boy and he's walking around the stable and he hears a noise and you see a shadow flash behind him through like the moonlight in this barn. And the next thing, he's coughing up blood. You're like, what happened? What, what, what happened to him? Well, you've got to understand as well, from my perspective, I'd gone into this movie thinking they were supernatural zombies. Yeah. All thanks (laughs) to you. So I'm like, oh, (laughs) shit, that's cool, man. Look at these zombies go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He dies quite brutally. Um, The murder is reported the following day uh, to the sheriff by one of the townspeople. And basically he turns up at his house. The sheriff's like, why are you here? He's like, well... I went to my barn and the stable boy's dead and all the horses are gone. So then I went to your office and your office is empty and there's no one there. So the next logical step was to come here. And you see the sheriff have a, oh, fuck, moment. Yeah. And immediately, the same reaction you would have, he assumes that the bandits woken up and escaped, killing yeah. everybody and take, or kidnapping them, but mainly probably killing them and burying the bodies of some sort. Yeah. And they go and investigate. The sheriff goes and looks at the barn and we get a good shot at the what is now the disemboweled stable boy. And then he goes to his office where there's nothing apart from a single arrow left behind. I think it's a nice touch that the sheriff basically says, look, get everyone in the saloon. We're going to have a meeting. We're going to work out how to sort this. I am going to go and tell Arthur. Yeah. And he's like, "I, I will deal with the husband. You just get everyone rounded up. Yeah, and really nice touch that they addressed that because in movies like this they quite often skip over telling relatives. The relatives just like yeah, uh, turn up and oh my wife died. Oh, I need to do this. And it's like they made a point of doing it. And it was cool as well the way they did do it because Kurt Russell doesn't necessarily say that's why he's. Going. I mean, he does say that's where he's going, but the first thing he says is just round everybody up. I'll see you there in twenty minutes. Mm. And it's the old man who looks at him. He's like. You're going to see Arthur, are you? I was like, yeah, that's cool. And he just sort yeah. of nods and then sits there knowing. And you feel it for Kurt Russell as well because you know he's preparing himself to have to go and have this awful conversation and let Arthur know that his wife has been taken by Indians, which is yeah. no fit. Anyone wants to suffer. Can you imagine like knowing that your wife had been taken by these sort of savages and what they would be doing to her? it would be horrific to have to deal with. So having to break that news to somebody like the sheriff does, you feel the weight on his shoulders in those scenes. Yeah, and it, it, it's such a horrible thing. And the way they do the actual interaction is great as well, because Arthur's woken up now and Arthur's like, there's fucking no one here. So he's coming out the door as the sheriff's walking up and he's like, is it bad? And the sheriff goes, uh, and he says, tell it to me straight. Is it bad? He's like, yeah, it's bad. She's been taken. And then with that, Arthur's just like with his crutch hobbling across to the saloon. Like he knows yeah. there's going to be a meeting there. And the sheriff picks up his boots and follows behind him. Yeah, I love that as well. That like he walked <laughs> over and closed the door behind him. <laughs> yeah, he walked over, closed the door, picked his boots up. Like, I'll bring, I'll bring this. The meeting in the saloon is fabulous. The guy who comes in complaining about his horses being stolen. Oh, like, this is the best line <laughs> in the movie. And Kurt Russell turned around to him. He's like, if you don't shut your mouth, I'm going to bitch slap the red out of you. Red, oh, what does he say? Oh, I can't remember now. It's the fucking coolest line ever. I was like, that is it, badass. It, it's so good. And this bloke just instantly shuts up. Like, okay. 
they call in a local Native American to basically identify the arrow. And when he sees it, he's like, fuck it, I won't get anywhere near that. That is a feral tribe who is like the worst of the worst, even not, not accepted by our people, not accepted by yours. They are complete savages. And the sheriff's like, well, you will take us to him. It's like, the fuck I will. I'll tell you where they are, but I'm not going. Well, why yeah, not? This is because... a really, really awkward interaction as well, isn't it? Because this is an Indian guy who is yeah. now living in this Western community with these Americanized people. And you can feel the sort of angst towards him for being Indian. Yeah. Um, well, Bruder it's awful. even it's really awkward. It's really bad. Like Bruder even says, well, these are your people. And he's like, these are not my people. Yeah. My people don't yeah. do this. It's like, well, they are. It's like, no, like these are something else. They're like, well, you're going to take us. And he digs his heels in fair play to him. He's like, I'm not going because I do not want to die today. Yeah. Because he, like, he knows what goes on with these folks and this tribe. Yeah. And I, I like the fact they add that extra level of danger where the sheriff's like, how many are there? He's like, I don't know, but it doesn't matter because if you go, none of you are coming back alive. Yeah, it is a really cool assembly here as well because Kurt Russell turns around and says, "Well, I'm going because I don't have a choice." Yeah, and neither and neither does he, and looks at Arthur. So the yeah. pair of them are geared up to go. To which the old man steps in and he's like, "Well, if you're going, I'm going." And then the sheriff and him have a back and forth. He tries to talk him down before he finally just reluctantly is like, "Right, fair enough, you can come along too." And then Bru, what's his name, Bru, Bruder. I always. Bruder turns around. He's like, and I'm going to. I brought her to the. I brought her to the police cells. I have an obligation to make sure she's safe. So I'm going to come to, and I'm the most skilled person here. I've killed more Indians than all of you combined. And the Indian guy turns around and he's like, "That's not a cool brag, man." <laughs> yeah, and he's like, well, "It's not a brag. It's just a fact." It's, it's yeah, just, just storms kind of... out and like the full-on sliding back and forth saloon doors. I was like, that is the most cool Western thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> um, so our team of rescuers is assembled. We've got the sheriff. We've got Bruder, who thinks he is the dog's bollocks. We've got the assistant to the assistant deputy, who's about a heartbeat away from death. And we've got Arthur with his fucked up leg. If I'd been kidnapped, this is like the worst team in the world I could assemble to come and get me. Yeah, it's like the D Avengers, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, if you could pick a team of four people from that town, I would pick anyone but these four. Oh, I don't know. I'd take um, Bruder with me, and I'd take the sheriff, I think, but I would leave Old Man and Sir Limpolot at home, I think. <laughs> I would as well. Um, they ride into the desert for what feels like about a month of viewing time. Like, you yeah. get lo loads of dialogue. It's all character building and it's all really cool and it's all really relevant. We get loads of like their motivations and we get to find out stories about their past and how they are, the people they are. And it's really great. It does it's not amazing. translate well. It does not translate well to podcasts. No, it does um, not at all. So we are going to skip over quite a lot of it, but we do want to make it very clear that this is all very engaging content the filmography and cinematography of it all looks beautiful. The character yeah. development's amazing. The lot it is all fantastic. But if we were to sit here and dissect it all for you, scene by scene and conversation by conversation, we <laughs> might leave. as well just reenact the play, the film ourselves. So it's kind of pointless. Just go and watch it. It's great. Uh, one of the things we do get that which 
is really relevant is we see the steady decline of Arthur's leg getting worse, where he takes off his boot and you look at this wound and it's getting worse and worse. And then he finds um, opium in his wife's bag and he kind of stows that away. And it's like, oh, okay, this is going to, he's going to go mad on the opium. But it kind of sets something up, which I thought was really clever. Um, yeah. on, on one of the nights, they get two Mexicans approach their camp. Um, I also like when they do their night camps, Bruder going round with the like big coil of string with bells on it. Yeah, Bruder's a legend, man. He is he is a guy you want with you in a zombie apocalypse. Yeah, and he's like, well, if you hear a bell ring, just sit up and shoot. Don't ask questions. Don't sit up. If someone's coming to our camp, they should identify themselves. If they reach these bells and they've not identified themselves, they're here to hurt us. Just sit up and shoot where you hear the ringing. Don't worry, I'll have already shot before you guys even open your eyes. Oh, yeah, I forgot he threw that in. Yeah, don't worry, I'll have done it. <laughs> uh, um, so these two Mexicans approach and they try explaining they're just passing by and they were like, we were just about to announce ourselves and they toss their guns away and Bruder guns them down with absolutely no mercy whatsoever, which yeah, leads to the get- sheriff like spinning his gun on Bruder. And this scene is brilliant. Like the best yeah. Western setup scene. I love it. Yeah. Cause Arthur's down on the ground. He's out due to the pain that he's suffering. And then you've got Sheriff and Bruder gun to gun holding each other up as if one of them needs to cower down. And then you've got the old man coming back in reinforcement with his gun on Bruder as well. It's just really cool. And Bruder's explaining to him, the sheriff's like, you had no cause. You had no cause to do that. They were, they were just travelers and needed help. And Bruder's like, no, they're not. The scouts, they have a clan. Yeah. They have people with them. They were checking us out before reinforcements come. Like, we need to leave immediately before they both finally come to an agreement and lower the guns. And lo and behold, yeah. they get up and move camp. Yeah, so they, they move camp. <laughs> I think it's great when they wake up Arthur, because Arthur's out of it. They wake up Arthur, he's like, What's going on? They're like, oh, yeah, no, don't worry. Just like Bruder just killed a couple of Mexicans for no reason whatsoever. And we need to move camp now. And Arthur's like, what? <laughs> What's going on? Like, he's, his level of confusion is perfect. Yeah, because the sheriff as well, he's still not convinced that he's right. No. No. He, the thing about is, to find out he was. <laughs> Bruder was 100% right. So they go and set up camp against like some rocks. So they've only got one side coming out. And they get robbed in the night. And Bruder wakes up and he takes out some of these bandits and they've taken well, them. Well, no, no, they don't. Bruder's getting stabbed. It's not Bruder who yes, wakes he... up first. Bruder's laid on the floor and he's muffled by his mouth and he's getting stabbed and he's, I'm surprised they only managed to catch him in his shoulder. And it's luckily enough, the sheriff wakes up and shoots a Mexican. But at this point, it's too late. That guy who was stabbing Bruder was probably just there to clean house. Yeah. Because they've already taken yeah. all of their horses and their equipment. Yeah, well, they didn't get all of their horses because Bruder's like, my horse would not have gone. She's loyal. She had to put up a fight. And the old man's like, ah, yeah. And then you hear this horse and Bruder has to go over and put it down. And it is honestly heartbreaking. My notes actually say, what in the actual war horse is this shit? (laughs) I loved it, man. I loved it because it was just so reinforcing of Bruder's intelligence and knowledge he was like look my horse would not abandon me she would not go to which point the old man turns around he's like yeah it looks like she put up a fight and she's like obviously injured and down because she'd been either 
shot or something like that, which is why they never managed to take her. And he has yeah. to walk over and put her down. And the walk from camp to the horse is the longest, most drawn out, awful thing. And the entire time the camera is just focusing on Matthew Fox's face. And it was in this very moment I was like, you are fucking amazing. How have you not had a better career than what you've had right now? Because this film showcases your talent to the next level. Yeah, it really, really talented actor. And the fact he um, he thanks the horse for its service before he shoots her. I was so honourable. I was like, wow, what a guy. He's my he's my favourite. He's my favourite in this movie. I loved him. I thought it was so cool. Um, now, the guys are tired. They've got no patience. And after a full day of now walking because they've got no horses, there's a fight that breaks out between Arthur and Bruder over comments Bruder made about his wife. Bruder's like, oh, yeah, well, if it was my wife, I'd be doing this as well. Like, she's hot is basically what it was. And Arthur, Arthur takes a swing for him and in the process breaks his leg again. Yeah, which snaps it this time, like fully snaps it. It leads us into one of the most cringeworthy, horrific scenes in a movie, regardless of genre, where old man has to reset it. Yeah. And they give him a little bit of opium. They sit him down, lay him down, and he just gets a mallet and then smashes the bit of bone that's sticking out back into the body. Oh, and on the shin as well. And the thing that's really clever about this and the way that they film it and portray it on screen is it cuts away right at the very moment just before he does it. Yeah. Uh, you, you hear the crunch, but you hear the crunch over a black screen. So we don't actually see the actual act take place itself. Now... I think this is excellent because what it does for the scene later on, because you're expecting it to do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> but and it certainly fucking doesn't. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> the fact that they did that so early, because they could have quite easily shown that with little cost yeah. or effects to, to, to the production. But the fact that they cut away was just so excellent in the fact that it just built you up perfectly for that scene later on. Yeah, it, as horrible as it is, it lulled you into a full sense of security. Yeah, so when you get to that moment, which everybody knows if you know about this film, you're waiting for that cut because you're like, well, they never... did it earlier on something a lot less graphic, so surely they're going to do it here now, and then they never do, and you're like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, the three men go on without Arthur, and they leave him some of the opium for the pain, and they take some of it with them. Um, now, what they said to him is, look, you still want to go, so we're going to mark a trail for you, and we're going to leave four rocks along the trail so you can find us. And that's how they go, and they carry on. And the three men reach the valley, and shit goes down. I'm going to ask you, did you actually see what happened in this attack where they all three of them got like taken down? No, so... It's so, like, blink and you miss it. Like, they walk around a corner and Bruder's got, like, 15 arrows in him. There's a chunk missing from the old man's head and the sheriff's been shot with an arrow as well. But it happens, like, literally in a second. It's like this, you hear all these, like, noises of stuff hitting stuff and you're like, shit, and they're all down. Yeah, it happens really, really quickly. So they come in, the Bruder reach, Bruder gets his hand completely cut off. Yeah, with one of the with that's with one of the it's with a bone tomahawk. 
burn tomahawk yeah it completely cuts his hand off and he falls back into shock and while that and then yeah at the same time an arrow flies in and hits the old man knocks his hat off and cuts his head thankfully enough it doesn't kill him sheriff gets an arrow in the arm and he sort of like is in shock by what's happening because it's just so out of nowhere they're just scoping out the entrance thinking that they're going in untoward unknown um also, we should also state very clearly throughout, because this is going to be vital to a point I'm going to make later on, they are hearing these sort of wailing siren noises every time there is an attack or every time there is a presence. And yeah. You hear them at the beginning with David Arquette and Sid Haig. They hear these similar noises. You hear them again at the barn when the stable boy is killed. <clears throat> and you hear them just before this scene takes place here. And Bruder, because he's an absolute fucking G, is like, we've been spotted. And then all yeah. of a sudden, all hell just breaks loose because he knows exactly what that means, whether he knows it because he knows who they are or what they represent or whether he's just a very intelligent man. He's like, they know we're here. Um, and then almost instantaneously, bang, boom, boom, boom. I'm gone, arrow in the head, arrow in the arm. And luckily enough, they managed to take out one of them because he's the one yeah. who comes in with close proximity and hits Bruder. To which point, <clears throat> Bruder's like, I'm done. You guys need to go. Give me all the dynamite you have and do not and give me a cigar. Yeah. (laughs) How cool is that as well? It's like a proper Arnold Schwarzenegger moment. I was like, yeah, man. (laughs) Yeah, I need a cigar and I need all the dynamite. But the thing is, he never detonates it because he gets killed before he gets the chance to light it. No, you hear the bang. Oh, you do hear the bang. I didn't hear the bang. Yeah, you hear the bang. Um, But yeah, it was cool. I didn't believe his reasoning. He had his hand cut off. It wasn't exactly the end of the world, but he was that arrogant of a man who's like, I can't live as a cripple. I'm going Yeah, out. and I I don't know. In the 1800s, that's probably touch and go whether you're coming through that. Yeah, because that's, that's another thing they set up quite well in this film as well. Obviously, with Arthur's leg injury, there's a quite a lot of conversation between the sheriff and the old man, and they're referring to how the sheriff, the old man had done some service as a surgical war yeah during the medic. war um and he was like look uh, uh, the sheriff's like how how is he going to respond to this because it's getting to the point now where if gangrene takes him we are going to have to amputate his leg and he's like it's a 50 50 chance if he would survive me taking it yeah so yeah, obviously and... medical procedures are not at his highest standard back then no medical procedures then was have a swig of opium i'm gonna tip some whiskey on it where's that big rusty saw or big rusty axe i'm taking it off for that and we'll just like what do they call cauterize it? Yeah, what we'll just we'll, yeah cauterize. We'll stick a really cauterize. hot bit of metal on it after it to seal the wound. It's not yeah, it's just not, melt it's it not... like a bit of plastic. <laughs> <laughs> um, the old man and the sheriff also captured here and dragged yes. back to the cave where the cannibals live. This I thought was great where they're both knocked out and as they're being dragged, you see the old man drops his gun and he kind of does this half-hearted reach where he's still not quite with it, tries to get it. And it just shows how helpless they are for what's going on. Like even the sheriff, who is probably the most rugged cowboy you'll get, he's fucked. He can't do anything. I'll be honest with you, in this moment, I thought he was going to die because as they capture them, they take the burnt tomahawk but they put the handle in his mouth and thrust it down his throat to the point where i was like shit they're they're genuinely going to kill him here but then all of a sudden the other guy one of the other 
Indian clansman comes over and hits him in the head and knocks him out. And then they yeah. tie them up and drag them by the legs up the side of the cliff into the cave. And I was like, man, that's got to be so painful. Your skin must be fucked. Yeah, and it like why they're doing it, they're doing these wails and like the wails, mm. like the screaming sounds like multiple voices. It's really cool and really horrible at the same time. It's so eerie, isn't it? So eerie. When they get in the cave, they're slung in a in a cell. So they're slung in a hole in the wall. And then the tribesman comes along and he bangs in like one of these posts to close the cell with his bare hand. I was like, wow. That was clever, yeah, because that just showcases how strong they are because immediately after he fastens that nail in with his bare hands, these two thrust their entire body weight at it to try and push it open, and it doesn't even flinch. No, which sets up how strong they are. Uh, In the cage opposite is Samantha and Nick, and they, they seem unharmed, and they have a quick conversation about, like, why... Samantha's like, why are you here where is my husband? Is he dead? They're like, no, he's not dead. He's just, he's had a bad injury with his leg, but we've left him a trail so he can come here. And she's like, why? Why would you bring him here? He's a cripple. Yeah. Uh, not just that, but <laughs> these are savages and you're all going to die. Uh, what happens next left my jaw on the floor. But honestly, yeah. I was stunned. So yeah. the tribe come in. And one of them is ginormous, like looks like he should have a career in the WWE. He's massive. And he drags Nick out of the out of the cell. And how would you describe this? I don't know if you could the, really. Um, the, it's the terrifier scene, but with a bone instead of a hacksaw. Yeah, so what happens is basically Nick is pulled out and stripped bare naked in front of everybody in the cells. They then scalp Nick with this bone tomahawk, take the piece of his scalp, obviously scalping as in what you would know as Indians generally do within the history books. They take his scalp, they then push it into his mouth and force it down even further with the handle of the bone tomahawk. They then lift him up by his legs, a la Terrifier, and repeatedly hacking to the point where they're about four inches deep before two of the Indians grab a foot each and rip him in half. Yeah. They don't just cut him, they tear him in half with sheer brute force after the slight incision from the tomahawk. And they show the entire thing. And the incision is made in his penis. Yeah, crotch first. It's... It's honestly the worst way I've ever seen anyone die in a horror movie. And not just that, though, man, but the the agony of the situation is amplified so much by Kurt Russell's character as he's repeatedly trying to reassure Nick that he will have vengeance and everything's going to be okay. And it's like, man, everybody else, it flashes to all the other cast members and they're all looking away or putting their heads in their hand, but Kurt Russell's just staring directly into Nick and looking at him and he's like... It's going to be over quickly. You stay brave. Everyone's on the way. The cavalry's coming. You will have vengeance. We're going to wipe every single one of these out. And I'm like, yeah, tough, man. It's really, really tough scene. It's really tough. And I like the fact that straight after that, they leave, they take Nick's body. And Samantha looks round to the sheriff and goes, why did you say that? He's like, because if that was happening to me, that's what I'd want to hear. Yeah, I'd need someone to tell me that. 
And this is then mirrored almost instantly where the old man's telling the story that he went to a flea circus with his wife. He's like, no, my wife said that they were they were animatronics and they, they, they had some special mecha- mechanisms to make him move. But I always believed they were real. And Samantha turns around and goes, well, that particular circus, lots of them do use tricks, but that particular circus actually has trained fleas. And the old man is like the happiest he's ever been. And then she looks at Kurt Russell and throws him a wink. And I was like, yeah, okay, that was sweet. Yeah, Um, really, really nice. They also work out now that there were 12 cannibals. They've taken out a couple, so they reckon there's about nine left, but they're guessing. Um, And she says there's two females here who are blinded that they use for for mating which yeah. we'll get we'll get to later because that was something oh, else that left my yeah. jaw on the floor <laughs> yeah um the sheriff realizes they've got some opium left that they well one thing as well before i just want to just want to sorry just before we do go because it's important for me to bring this up now the reason they imply that she knows that there is 12 males is because she is insinuating that she has been sexually assaulted by them. So she's like, in that moment, she is basically saying there is 12 males at least that I know of, which is leading yeah. to imply that she has been sexually assaulted by him and she's kept count of the numbers. Yeah, which is horrific all on its own. Like, Yeah, and one thing I will say about this movie as well, because it is implied heavily throughout that that is the situation for her fate and that she is going to be savaged by this clan. I am so grateful that that was never something that came to fruition on screen, because it would have completely ruined the movie for me had they showcased it. Yeah, and especially with what you see at the end, I don't think I could watch that process happen to get to where we are at the end. Yeah, definitely. That would be, that, that would be too much for me, I think. Yeah. No, in fact, I know that would be too much for me. Yeah, <laughs> there's no <laughs> thinking about it. I know for a fact. I don't want to know uh, how those poor women ended up in that situation. No, uh, the sheriff realizes they've got some opium left, and he's like, "We could drug them." And he's asking Samantha because she's the doctor's assistant. Like, what would it do? She's like, "Enough, it would kill them." So him and the old man start pretending to fight over this hip flask full of opium, and these tribesmen come in and like snatch it off them. And they're like fighting between them to who can drink the most. And then they throw it in the fire when it's all gone. And Samantha's like, well, one of them's going to die. One of them's going to have a very long nap. And the other one didn't get enough for anything to do. And the sheriff's like, well, that's two more down. So we're down to potentially seven now. So it's a step in the right direction. Yeah. And the reason that they're counting these numbers down is because Arthur is... The whole time this has been going on, Arthur is probably a day behind everybody else. They've been leaving a trail for him to follow, so they know he's on his way. So they're trying to work out how many he is going to have to take on on his own in order to save them. Um, after this Arthur moment with the hip flask, yeah, Arthur comes in in full force. He makes it to the entrance of the cave. And give him his dues. He's an intelligent man. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to go that way. So he opts to go for the back door. <laughs> which yeah. is the right move to make um at this moment here we catch him he wipes out a couple of them and there's a scene in particular i want to bring attention to because i feel like it's very important in terms of plot progress the noises we've been hearing yeah so 
he takes out one of the guys as he, he, he basically he's falling asleep and, and the noise wakes him up of one of them approaching him and he manages to shoot him and take him down just before he reaches him. He then goes over to the body and he realizes that the noise isn't coming from any sort of machine or whistle, but that they've been modified surgically with a whistle implanted in their throat. So this yeah. is in essence how they sort of communicate the... through this. Yeah, they make the double noise because as they're making noise out of their mouth, noise is coming, coming through the up. whistle as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the thing from Jurassic Park with the Velociraptor noise. Is that Jurassic Park yeah. 3 that yeah. Sam Neill has? Yeah, it's like that implanted in his windpipe. Now, I had issues with this scene where he cuts it out because I feel like it could have been handled a lot better for me because it sets up... You see the body after it's been shot and it's a human actor laying on the floor and then it cuts to another scene and it's the same body, but it is very clearly a prosthetic body. So you're like, yeah. right, so I know that he's going to now disfigure this body in some way or cut it up and I'll do something to it, which kind of spoiled it for me. And it felt very unnecessary because every shot after that particular scene is not filmed from the same angle. So you could have had the same actor laying there instead of having the full view of the prosthetic body. Yeah, and just do it from a different the, angle. Yeah, and then the angles that they cut, choose to go to when he's cutting it out is like from the behind the Indian's head and stuff like that. So that's that shot in particular just felt really let down and unwarranted and just almost, considering how much of a high standard everything else is in this production up until this point, that just felt like such an oversight to me. I was like, how have you missed that particular second of shot yeah. um uh, and that's uh, my only gripe i'm going to really rage on up until we get yeah, to and, my roundup and i spotted it as well and I, I kind of if i didn't take as much issue with it as you what i did take issue with is when he cut that out and it's still dripping blood to then put it in his mouth to whistle <laughs> no. to, i was like oh no just just like you've killed one of them like just continue how you're going just be sneaky but instead, he like is blowing this whistle, and there's like blood dripping down his face. Like, oh, it's awful. Yeah, and again, though, it made sense that it would be like that because they're very low on water, so he can't clean it. He needs to save his water for the journey home. Um, so yeah, he just has to go in with it. But yeah, it's a good tactic to use to lure them in. It's just what he does up until he reaches the cave. He continually keeps blowing this whistle, which is attracts them one by one or two at a time, and he slowly diminishes the numbers before he gets to the cave but before he gets to the cave we cut back to kurt russell's character and i'll let you set this up yeah so the tribe leader which is the massive guy has realized that they've been tricked and they've had a couple of their guys have been poisoned so he comes in and he drags kurt russell out of his cell what he does to kurt russell what they do to kurt russell is so brutal so they pin him down on the floor and they've got like the foot across his throat and he's struggling for air. And I've got to say, Kurt Russell's acting is outstanding. Amazing. I, I um, honestly think this is his best performance in his career. He was so good in this movie. They take a bone tomahawk to his stomach and they cut a hole in it where then the big tribes member picks up the red hot canteen that they were drinking the opium out of from earlier and pushes it into the wound in his stomach. Honestly, like the pain the noise that that as must... well, you hear. Yeah, because when it the... goes in, it goes. It's like, oh. <laughs> I could almost smell it in my living room. I was like, no. 
Uh, it's at this point where this leader also picks up, he's got the rifle and he's trying to work out how to fire the rifle and he works it out and he shoots the sheriff in the arm and in the stomach. Thankfully, Arthur arrives and he kills the tribe leader with one of the bone tomahawks. Yeah. Now, this bit that comes next is one of the most heartfelt scenes and I never expected it to be in this movie. So Arthur frees Samantha and he frees the old man and the sheriff's done. He's not going anywhere. He's got a massive gaping wound in him with a hip flask in it that's still 300 degrees. Yeah. And the sheriff looks up to the old man and he goes, say goodbye to my wife for me. And he sort of nods and he goes, and I'll say hello to yours. It's like, I'm like wiping yeah. a tear from my eyes. Like, oh, man. <laughs> But the masculine element between these two characters is still so intact in this moment. There's not a, oh, you know, it's been a good run. I'm done here, buddy. I'll see you later. It's They just have this look between the two of them and exchange such simple words, but it's so powerful. And it's like, man. Yeah. And the old man goes to are. take a step forward as well. And the sheriff's like, no, 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 no. You, you, you go with them. Leave me the gun and leave me the bullets. And we now see the three of them as they're coming out. And we go past the two females that we know are in the tribe. And they've got bits of wood stuck, got spikes stuck in their eyes that the skin has grown around. They've got no arms and no legs and they are both pregnant. And again, my jaw was on the floor. So horrific. It's like something out of the human centipede too. It was like harrowing to see this there because they're there for purpose. That is it. Yeah. Uh, and it but honestly, functional, it's... it's clear. You can see them. They, they're not the they're moving. Do you know what I mean? Like they're moving and clearly have brain function. Um, so, yeah, awful. Yeah, absolutely awful. Um, as they get further away from the cave, you hear three gunshots implying that the sheriff has taken out the remaining three. People. Yeah, it's established that there were three remaining and then they were because do you know what was so cool about this scene as well? The old man has he leaves, they've got no ammo or no weapons. He picks up a rock for his yeah. journey back, and then he hears two gunshots and he looks back at the cave and there's like a long pause, and then finally you hear the third gunshot and he just drops a rock on the floor as if to say, like, I know he's done it. Yeah, I know he's done it. And he has like a little smile as well. Yeah. Um now, they've got a long journey home, these three survivors. You've got the old man, the cripple, and Samantha, the doctor's wife, and the credits roll. I waited for a mid-credit scene or a post-credit scene, and I'm not going to lie, I feel fucking cheated that I know they had a seven-day minimum walk back through with no supplies, and that is a dangerous route anyway. We've seen them coming in before they got to the Native Americans, how dangerous it was. Yeah, I want to know if they made it back. And I no, don't know. Dead, it honestly bugged the shit out of me. It's like the Lord of the Rings, where sometimes the Frodo is like, I don't think there's going to be a journey back, Mr. Frodo. Unless the <laughs> eagles came for him at the end, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, I, it really bugged me. Really, really bugged me. Anyway. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to be back with some free word reviews and a fun game, really fun game this time. So we'll see you in a sec. Do you believe in urban legends, ghosts, goblins, cryptids, Bigfoot? 
then if you do, you need to check out the Ghoulish Gallery. Hosted by Tasha, each time she is joined by a different guest who shares a story about their local urban legend. They also tie this into movies that have been made about the legends and have long-form discussions about monsters and myths. This show is available at urunpodcast.com and is a proud member of the You Run Podcast Network. Go and check them out. So yeah, make sure you go and check out Tasha and the Ghoulish Gallery. Um, also, all the other network members at urunpodcast.com. Let's do some free word reviews. They had lots of scope this week to play with. I can imagine um, they did. I'm expecting yeah. a high standard this week from this movie. Uh, we're going to start with X. Uh, you're going to eat that cross podcast. He's a member of the podcast network. Uh, literally eat ass, which the cannibals do. They literally eat ass. Yep. Uh, over on threads, uh, we've got Slash in the Attic, staggeringly competent debut. And they're a mini, mini horror reviewer. So this was a debut feature film for a director. Wow. I know. This is like a Coen Brothers production, man. This is amazing. How have they, how is this the first time? And it was one thing I did notice about the credit as well. It was also written and directed by the same guy. Yeah. I can't remember his name for the life of me, but I, it, I was amazed to know that he'd written the story and directed it and brought it to fruition himself. I was like, that's so fucking cool. And to find out now that it's his first directorial debut, amazing. Well done. Yeah. Uh, over on Slasher, we've got K.A. Schultz, Bone Crushing Western, and they're a horror writer. Uh, Instagram killed it this week. Uh, we've got K. Lampe, which is Kate. Uh, Chug That Morphine. Uh, we've got The Saurosaurus. Split down the middle, and they're a horror music <laughs> account. Uh, Spooky Fan 666, Amazing Gory Fest, and they're a horror and cosplayer. Uh, Ophelia Pop Tart, Slow at First, and they're a Stargazer and Rocker Chick. And yeah, this is slow, like slow at the beginning. Um, 35 Millimeter Movie Club, Underrated Modern Western, and they're a horror reviewer. Projectile Varmint, Flat Boring Characters, and they're the coast of the No, no Ooh, Bodies podcast. Oh, I don't agree with uh, that. <laughs> uh, we've got Dash Chaser, A Split Decision, and they're a private account. I have no idea I what they do. <laughs> uh, Donnie Deadite, Warms Your Belly, and they're a horror <laughs> account of VHS Collector. Uh, and we're going to end it with Wolf Dad, who requested this episode, Perfect Western Horror. Now, cool. as you know, a couple of weeks ago, we debuted a new feature called TikTok Talks. This has started to gather quite a bit of pace. And we've got three. Two of them are short. One's a little bit longer. But all of them combined do not take up as much as Larry did when Larry done his. <laughs> uh, so the first one we've got is from Cecil Candybottom and Arlie. Bone tomahawk, you say? I love, 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 love this movie. I grew up on Westerns, and I've never really let go of my love for Westerns. So when this movie came out, I not only had to see it, but I had to see it multiple times. In my opinion, this is a perfect blend of Western and horror. The cast is absolutely phenomenal. The story is believable. And this one's kind of a nail-biter. Definitely a bit of a slow burn, so if you're not into them, I, I highly recommend just giving this one a try. And it definitely pays off in the end. And that's what you really want from a slow burn. If I had to rate this movie out of 10, I would give it a 
Zasali. Oh, and 9.5, yeah, good score. And like a sensible person scores out of 10. Um, up next, we've got <laughs> Dave B. Move. I'm not letting it go. I score out of five because you made me. You're not letting it go, but you still succumbed to my powers. <laughs> I have. Uh, up next, we've got Dave B. Movies. Hello. So, Boom Tomahawk. Um, very much a cross-genre movie, Western and horror, although the horror is a bit on the sketchy side, in my opinion. Um, and this one works. It works because it doesn't try and do too much with both. See, a lot of genre crossovers, they try to cram in as much of both genres as possible, it becomes an absolute mess. This doesn't. This is very much a Western. It's a Cowboys and Indians movie and it just so happens that the Indians are not quite Indians and in the very final third of the film it comes through and you see a bit more of what they're about but fundamentally it is a western with a horror element that is why this works yes it's a slow burn but I don't mind that because it slow burns it has a purpose it's going somewhere it, you can see there's a clear end to where they're going and it it's a really good movie. Definitely one you want to watch. And I really enjoyed this. Cheers. Yeah. Yeah, valid. very insightful. Very valid opinions as well. Yeah. Uh, and final up, we've got Bite 19. Oh, hey. So, my dear beloved Jin Jin, a mutual of mine here on TikTok, gave me you guys a uh, chance to talk about a certain movie that really messed my socks up let me tell you i just recently got to see the movie in question what i like to say the tomahawk uh <laughs> wow so the movie starts out as a western uh and kind of blows up from there it's got kurt russell and what appears to be uh his attire from the hateful eight and quentin tarantino david arquette patrick wilson and of all people said hey god rest his soul this film was the quintessential definition of slow burn uh, as the Western aspect of it took its time to get itself set up. Um, here's kidnapping. There's a couple of kills and Kurt Russell and his band of uh, cohorts had to go out and rescue Patrick Wilson's wife and one other individual. Um, when it's all said and done, the first hour is, you know, your basic typical Western style romp. Uh, Guns, bad guys, horses, that sort of thing. But 15 to 20 minutes before the film ends, it changes on a dime. And I mean an absolute dime. We're talking we're talking from dusk till dawn time. Okay? This film this film goes into Native Americans that are cannibalistic and cave dwellers. I've never heard of anything like that in my entire life. And let me tell you, if you run into somebody like that. Just go ahead and, and, and kill yourself right now because you ain't making it out, like, at all. Um, Patrick Wilson, on the other hand, somehow figures out a way to take care of business on a broken leg, I might add. Just absolutely insane. But there are specific scenes during that last 15 to 20 minutes that will make you question just how much of a cowboy fan you think you are. There's a very specific scene that I'd simply like to call the make-a-wish scene. <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that. That's totally up to you how you want to go about doing it. It's brutal. Uh, it's 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 horrifying the last 20 minutes. Uh, or as I like to say, brutal. I just say it as, as that. It is uh, 
absolutely enthralling once it gets going and it does not let up in any way shape or form there are graphic depictions of violence it's just bloody and the specific scene that got me into actually wanting to see it was the sequence when they captured kurt russell and they basically got the knee on the man and he is gasping for solid air like he's about to die uh beautifully acted fantastically shot well put together and it was four men going out at the edge of civilization that's bite 19 brilliant um, brilliant roundup. i love getting these like this new feature i think is so much fun because you get such different takes on it um, i won't do multiple ones every week but i thought for this movie it was nice to get three different perspectives from three very different accounts it's so cool man i love it i love it that we because they do what we are doing but they condense it and i get to sit back and take in other perspectives of people's opinions on this movie because nine times out of ten when we do this podcast we don't get to hear other people's feedback until after the episodes come out i know you do three word review and things like that but it's usually after the episode comes out that people reach out and message me and they're like oh i loved your take on this and what you said here was really really cool but i thought this this and this so it's nice to have that for us but especially for us anyway as presenters of the show to actually listen to that during the episode that's really cool so i i think this is a great feature and i think this should be one that sticks around for a long time yeah, I, I think this will. I think this will become like three word reviews. This will become a staple of the show. Uh, let's do some facts, but before we do that, I think I will queue up your music, and you can queue up your notes. One, two, three, four. Oh, it's that time of the week. Time for Mark to recommend other counts. Yay! <clears throat> So this week's recommended account is Thrifted Horror. And you can obviously find them on Instagram because that is the only place I go. Um, (laughs) Thrifted Thrifted Horror is uh, basically a video shop where you can buy VHS that this guy or female has collected through various thrifting trips that they've got. They showcase their collection of tapes similar to how I do on my VHS page but they do it in a way which I think is really aesthetically pleasing. So you've got films, say, The Howling. They'll add in a Photoshop version of like a really cool moon background and then just put the tape over Oh, that's cool. Over it. Yeah, so it's, it's like a really cool way of showcasing their collection. But they don't just do tapes. They basically thrift anything that's horror that they can find, such as vinyls excuse me, vinyl, CDs, DVDs. Um, the reason I particularly like this account so much is because it's an American account. So for all you American listeners out there, these are probably something that's going to be more towards you if you're planning on buying some of their products due to shipping issues and cost-wise that it is to get that stuff transferred here into the UK. Um, but I pay so much more attention to this as well because I collect VHS here in the UK, but it is wild at how different and contrasting the covers are from the european versions to the american versions so if you like look at friday the 13th for instance our our uk version is the standard sort of cinema poster yeah there are some wild ones that you get in america for some of the versions of their movies along with the halloween films even some of the goosebumps books this guy sells the goosebumps books we all know i'm a big goosebumps fan 
the versions of the covers of Goosebumps that they have in America are just so different to the versions that we got released here in the Europe. And it's it's cool, man. It's cool to contrast the two. So if you're interested in it, it's a really cool account for that reason alone. But other than that, their collection's amazing. And you can also buy majority of the stuff that they post up on their account. So you can find them at Thrifted Horror on Instagram. And as always, let them know the Europe podcast sent you. Yeah, brilliant. Um, let's do some facts. The cave where the Native American cannibalistic evil people live was used in another major motion picture, like massive box office smash motion picture and one of the most integral parts of the movie. Any idea what movie? No, but I recognise the opening. I was like, I know that from somewhere. I know it from somewhere. Give me a clue. Don't let let me guess. Give me a clue. I'll I'll give you a clue. It's impossible. Tony Stark was able to build this in a cave. Oh, no way. Is this from Iron Man? Yeah, it's the cave that they keep Tony Stark in, in the very first Iron Man movie. That's amazing. I knew I'd recognised it. Yeah, it's so cool. And then when when I found that out, I went back and watched it. I was like, it's exactly the same. (laughs) Very cool. Uh, This is the second movie starring David Arquette in a Western involving cannibals. Uh, The first one he starred in was Rendezvous in 1999. Has that got um, the guy from Full Multi in, Rock Carlisle? Yeah, I think it has. Yes, I think it has. Yes, I've I've heard great things about that movie. I've never seen it. Guy Pearce is in it as well, I think. Apparently, it's an amazing movie, so I do need to check that out. Um, And the only other fact I've got for this, there literally is nothing interesting about the production of this movie. (laughs) Um, It was shot in 21 days. That's all I got. That's very interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Um, To do this in 21 days, this is a big shoot across a wide and long landscape. The more and more you divulge into the facts and stuff about this movie, the fact that this was a first-time director, this was shot in 21 days, I just don't understand how they got the casting they got for this film. No. No, nor do I. It's, it's, it's got to be the sort of, this The, the script, script must have been that good when it landed on people. Like, I don't think it would have landed on the actor's desk. It would have fallen upon some sort of agency, and they was like, wow. Yeah, and just shot it out to a few people. And I have to feel like Patrick Wilson, Kurt Russell, Matthew Fox, each and every one of them must have been like, I want this. Yeah, I, I think this is one that if you send a script out like that and you get so like, let's say Kurt Russell was the first to take it on board. When you then send that script out for the second round of trying to get cast, the first thing you put on there is Kurt Russell is attached to this script. Yeah. Because then the likes of... Patrick Wilson and David Arquette and everyone else are going to go, Kurt Russell, yeah, I'm in. Don't even need to leave it now, Yeah, I have to imagine based on that, if they cast fat Kurt Russell first, it will have been more a case of actors auditioning for it rather than, you know, sending out and asking people to be in their yeah. movies. Oh, we had you in mind for this part. No, I think people would have been like, no, we want in. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, we're going to play a game. It's a variation on a game we've played hundreds of times on this show it's a variation of higher or lower but this time it's all about westerns so i'm going to tell you the box office takings for a western and you're going to tell me if the next movie done more or less money 
at the box office than the previous Western. <laughs> Do you know what's going to be more interesting about this is the fact that I probably have no idea what movie titles you're going to read out. You will know every single one of these films. and if you've I don't seen... watch Westerns at all. We'll see. I guarantee as I go through, you'll be like, I've seen that one. I've seen that one. Uh, we're going to start with Bone Tomahawk, uh, which kind of lingers a little bit in facts. This made at the box office $382,000. Yeah, I expected this to be lower. $1,000. It went into a super limited run in the United States, less than 30 theatres. And across the, U- the U- Europe and the UK, six theatres. That's insane, considering how amazing this movie not just is, but aesthetically looks as well. Like, I would, I would, given this now, and this had had a full production push behind it to put it out into theatres and things like that, I think you could consider some of the performances and some of the cinematography elements of this movie and the score as well in this, which is beautiful. You're talking Oscar bit, I think, for some of the yeah. for some of the elements of this film. And I yeah. just think it's such a shame that this has gone under such a radar when it came out. And I think a big push behind this, a big media push and a big advertising campaign and get it in every cinema, this is making hundreds of millions of dollars. Easily, easily hundreds of millions of dollars. It's a shame. It really is a shame. Um, so we're starting again, with... it's gone on to get such a cult following these days, so I don't think it necessarily is. Yeah, and you don't know what money they got from selling it to streaming services because I imagine that was a big chunk which isn't taken into account there. Of course. Uh, your next movie up is Wild Wild West, starring Will Smith and Kevin I, Klein. <laughs> when you said you're going to know westerns, and I was like, if he doesn't say Wild Wild West with Will Smith, I would be fucking raging. <laughs> That's the first one. Did that do more or less than three hundred thousand dollars? That definitely, definitely did more. It did. It done two hundred and twenty-two million dollars at the box office. Uh, up next is a Johnny Depp one, Rango. The animated uh, lizard. Oh, yes. I do know that one. I watched like the first sort of 20, 30 minutes of that film with my daughter where he's splashing about in like the fish tank thing before yeah. it falls out the back of the car. And then she lost interest. So we never finished it. But what I watched for the first 20 minutes was cool. Um, yeah. I'm going to say less. I don't think that did very well in comparison to a Will Smith movie because this came out at Will Smith's peak, man. This was yeah. like Men in Black era. So I'm going to go lower. It did. Rango spanked it. $246 million. What Rango? Rango, yeah. Fucking hell. Uh, uh, up next, Blazing Saddles. Again, never seen it. I'm aware of it. I know what it is. It's a Chevy Chase, Martin, uh, Steve Martin. So yep. I know which movie it is, but I haven't seen it. Um, I hear it's very racist by today's standards. Massively. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to say lower, just given the era it came out. It did. It done $119 million. Still a lot of money, though. Um, up next, Django Unchained. Oh, that movie's fucking awesome. Awesome um, But am I going higher than... Am I going higher than the highest, or am I going higher than... Than Blazing, Blazing Saddles. Saddles. Yeah, higher, definitely. Quincy Tarantino. It, it did. It done $426 million at the global box office. Am I speaking out of turn there? Is that Quentin Tarantino? Yeah, Django Unchained is Tarantino. Yeah, I thought so. I just thought, I thought in my mind then for a second, I was like, shit, have I just said something that's going to enrage Quentin Tarantino fans worldwide? Now, I think this is going to be a hard one for you now, though. So Django Unchained, $426 million. Dances with Wolves. Less. I don't think that's hard at all. I think given that this was a 90s movie and it was an amazing movie for its time, um... But I just think due to inflation, 
the hype around Quentin Tarantino the time that Django Unchained came out, I would be surprised to see. Are we talking theatrical runs or are we talking yeah. overall production? No, theatrical, like retail glo- and stuff. No, global box office just at the cinemas. Yeah, I don't think Dances with Wolves would have beaten that. But I wouldn't, at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if it did. Uh, it, well, what are you going with? I'm going to say Django Unchained is higher. It, it is only just $424 million, Dances with Wolves. If that you adjust if you adjust it for fl- inflation, it done over a billion dollars by today's standards. Fuck, you know, that is absolutely mental. But yeah. that movie is great. It really yeah. is. Uh true grit. Uh lower. It is lower. Done $252 million. Uh The Lone Ranger, the most modern adaptation of that with Johnny Adep plays Tonto. That was awful. <laughs> I've seen that and that is so bad. That is definitely oh, but then again, there was such hype around it coming out. No, I'm gonna stick with my gun. I think that's lower. It was higher, it done 260 million dollars. Oh, that got panned so bad. It, it was bad. Um, another favorite of mine, actually, Maverick starring Mel Gibson. Oh, I've not seen that one. Is it good? Yeah, he's a card player. He's a card shark. He's a great... It's such a cheesy, tacky movie, but I love it. I remember seeing it in, like, rental shops and stuff like that. Um, but I've never seen it. I'm... I'm... What was um, what was Lone Ranger? 260. Two, 260. Uh, I'm going to say lower. It was. It was 183 million. Uh, you got three left. So 183 million is where you are now. Legends of the Fall with Brad Pitt and Anthony Hopkins. Ah, I'm aware of it. I've never seen it again. Um, I don't feel like that was advertised enough for the mass audiences. I feel like it was quite a. Do you know, like those kind of movies that come out and they feel like almost as if they're catered to a certain group of pretentious people. I feel like this was marketed in that direction when it came out. So I'm going to say the lower. It is $160 million. So two left. Uh, you're at 160. The Dark Tower with Idris Elba. I'm going to say higher, but I know that movie also stinks. It, it does stink. And it bombed $113 million. Oh, really? Mm. They and should it, do it, that because that's a great source material. They just need to do that right. And the thing is, as well, they had um, Matthew McConaughey, McConaughey, McConaughey as yeah. the Man in Black, and that was yeah. awesome casting. And yeah, it just flopped. I think Idris it, Elba was poorly casting that. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I, I think he was as well. And now the best western, come at me, people. I don't care. The best western ever made, Young Guns, with Emilio Estevez, Charlie Sheen. Again, I'm embarrassed to say I've never seen it. Oh man, but I know guns, how high Young Guns it One is and people. Young Guns Two is awesome. Did that do more or less than 113 million? I'm going to say 100 with confidence that that did more. It done less. It done 45 Whoa! million at the global <laughs> box office. Educate me in westerns, man. I have no idea what I'm talking <laughs> about. I know how well loved that movie is now, though, to by today's standards. People uh, adore that film. It's honestly the best. Young Guns and Young Guns 2, both awesome. Uh, Charlie Sheen's best performance. Emilio Estevez's best performance. Great movies. Um, let's do some roundups. I'm going to let you take this one first. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep it real brief with this. I say this every week and then go off on a tangent for 20 minutes, but I'm going to try and keep this one brief. Um, 
I thought this movie was spectacular. Um, I know a lot of people are criticizing it for its slow build um, and saying that it takes a long time to get to places, but you have to bear in mind, I'm the kind of person who can sit out, sit down and watch a 12-hour marathon of Lord of the Rings Extended Cut, which is a very similar film to this. They have a journey to a mountain or a cave <laughs> they do Different with, no chance, with <laughs> no chance of return. Um, so the similarities between the two are quite similar. Um, I thought this was fantastic. I thought the performances from all of the cast were absolutely incredible. And as I've already mentioned, Oscar worthy from some of them, probably the best in their career. I think for some of the main players in this movie, um, I've made a few minor gripes about certain scenes, which include the pulling the whistle out. I just, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad scene at all. I just think that I would have framed that a little bit better to help the movie flow more consistently without having, because I immediately knew what was going to happen in that moment, just purely yeah. based on the shoddy practical effects. But again, now learning that this is a first time directorial debut from this guy, it turns a whole new perspective on things for me as a viewer. I thought this was a well-established filmmaker. So to learn that this is a first attempt in movie making is just insane to me because the cinematography and direction from this is nothing but flawless. There's some certain scenes where he flips the camera to shoot from the ground up on some of the speeches that Kurt Russell made. And I was just like, that is so clever because it just draws your attention to the impact of his speech that he's making in that moment. And it's, it's very, very, very well shot, very well directed. Um, another minor, real minor criticism that I'm going to make, but it's just like the only really minor criticism that I have. So I'm going to get it off my chest. Um, who is the female actor in the cave at the end? Samantha, I don't know. Samantha, I name. found her to be very underwhelming and miscast, and I don't know whether this was a directorial, um, a directional cue, or just part of the actress's way of performing it. But I just felt, given the trauma that she's implying she'd been through up until the point that the sheriff arrives, I didn't feel it from her in these moments in the closing act. She felt very blasé and almost neutral to the situation and it just didn't hold the impact that it could have done had it been delivered in a better way from a more um competent actress i feel and she was great in the build-up and everything else it was just in this closing moments where she's in the cave and she's almost trying to express to the audience the ordeal that she's suffered at the hands of these indians it just didn't come across very well to me she just felt very much an actress from the OC or something like that, the way that she was behaving in these moments. And I feel like had somebody with a little bit more prowess about them could have delivered this in a much more impactful way. And I know I've gone on about that, given how much of a minor impact I felt it had on my overall opinions of the movie. Um, but yeah, again, I said I was going to keep this brief and I've gone on for way longer than I intended to. So <laughs> I'm going to cut it off there. And I'm just going to say, look, this is an absolutely phenomenal movie. The more information I learn about its production, the higher it grows in my overall appreciation for it. Um, I don't necessarily categorize it as a horror, as a lot of people, especially in the TikTok talk, have mentioned already on this episode. But I think there is enough horror elements within this film to justify the praise that it gets from the horror community. Um, I'm going to settle nicely on a 4.5 out of 5. 
there's just the two minor little issues that I had with the scene with the practical effects, which I feel like could have been tightened up ever so slightly. And I feel Samantha's performance in the closing act could have been delivered a lot more impactfully. But overall, other than that, I implore everybody out there to go and watch this film because it's fantastic. It's a two hour and 15 minute runtime. I even messaged Scott before I went into it and I was like, fuck's sake, man, two hours and 15 minutes on a Western. I don't think I can do this. It flew by. It really did. I was engaged in every single character. The build-up and introduction to them all throughout was perfect. So, yeah, phenomenal movie. I think it's absolutely great. It was just let down by a few minor gripes, which I'll be perfectly honest with you, I could overlook quite easily. Okay. Um, good score. Um, this movie is slow, like really slow. The first 20 minutes is slow. The next 45 minutes are slow. The next half an hour is slow. Now, if you like long drawn out character development and this really big slow build movies this is 100% for you if you do not like that do not watch this because you will not get past the first half hour personally i love slow build horrors this is like this is what i love i also have a love for western so when i was a kid we used to go around to my grandparents on a sunday my granddad always had a a western on there was always a john wayne movie and i used to sit and watch hours and hours of westerns and if a western comes out i'm fully in love them they're great the cast for this is fantastic my only complaint is it's not a horror movie this is a western and i've seen other westerns like this that they cut away from the gore but they still do very similar things to this movie and like there's gore in this, but there's gore in John Wick, and John Wick isn't a fucking horror movie. I, I I love it. I think the performances are great. I think the tone is perfect. I think everything they've done in this looks, sounds, walks and talks like a Western. And somewhere along the line, they've shown a little bit of gore, and someone's gone, we could categorise this as a horror and get the horror fans on board as well. And for me, it's just not. And I don't know how it ended up on the show because it's not a horror movie. I want to pull you up on your bullshit for a minute because that that comment you just made was just mind-blowing to me. You can't possibly compare the elements of this to John Wick. John no, Wick's but, a straight-up action film. This is a movie that has this is a towering events, but it's it, not. It's a, it's a kidnapping and torturous people, victims. Which, to, which is a trope which is that happens. most horror movies. It's a twist and a trope for most Westerns as well. It's always the, the cowboys riding off into the desert to go and save someone. That is the setup for a good... 75, 80% of Western movies to go and save people from the Indian. No, no, no. I'm on the same page as you. I do agree that it falls under a Western category more than a horror movie category. But the John Wick comment you made was a little bit left field for me, mate. I had to stand up for it a little Um, bit. (laughs) I I, don't get me wrong. I love I love this movie. It's not a perfect movie. I didn't find it as quite as enjoyable as you. It's a three and a half out of five. It's a solid movie. Uh, that's a solid score you just you take what you want for it i think this is one movie that's going to appeal to some more than others yeah and if it's your kind of thing it's your kind of thing and if it's not it's not but i just think that this is definitely going to be divisive and especially if you're going into this expecting something like zombie indians and not delivering on that (laughs) sorry about that but still walking away with a solid score that I did, that must mean that I just got something a little bit more from it than you did. But our tastes in movies are very contrasting. 
Like yeah. you could not sit down and watch 12 hours of Lord of the Rings like I could. So for me, the half an hour, 45 minute buildup of character introduction and pacing was a blip in the road for me in comparison to most of the stuff that <laughs> yeah, I Yeah, well, Lord of the Rings, you get two movies of character development before you get <laughs> exactly. the <laughs> And to be fair, I have just binge-watched all six Peter Jackson trilogy movies. So, like, wow, this was a nice change of pace, I'll be honest. <laughs> um, well, that's it for another another episode thank you everyone who listened and who listens every week if you haven't done already go and leave us a review on apple or spotify if you're watching on youtube click subscribe hit the notification bell um go to urunpodcast.com check out the other members check out all the other stuff we do on there as well uh we're going to be back next week and we're doing horny week um but until then we decided to make it female so it was more docile and controllable oh dude i cannot I cannot even laugh at that. That's not cool. <laughs> hey, it's a line for the movie. I didn't write it. I just said it. <laughs> we'll, we'll oh, well, all... that's okay then. <laughs> yeah, we'll see you all next week. <laughs> hey, everyone. The You Run Podcast. It's the You Run Podcast. You want to die tonight? Scott, I think you know who the fuck this is that's talking. Cancel Mark. I was terribly offended. Because after all, this is not our show. This is your show. <laughs>